Hello, Probers McProbers. Hello. And welcome to... But It Was Aliens. The extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe the back passages out of supposed occurrences of alien origin to determine for the safety of our listeners, and our listeners only, whether it was really aliens. Yeah, so if you don't listen, you're going to get probed. Probed. Hashtag probe. So you've heard my trusty co-man in black there, Granville Moonwalker. And I'm your main man in black today, Kevin the Grey. Granville, I hope you wrapped up warm today because today I'm taking you to the cold, cold, unorganised borough of Alaska and a little place called Nome. Is it filled with gnomes? Gnome. (laughs) Gnome, it isn't. (laughs) The population of Nome is around 4,000. And 3,000 of those are gnomes. (laughs) Imagine 3,000 gnomes running around. Now that I rock, rock on that. Rock for our other pants, hey. <laughs> we won't stop there with our other pants. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling Stage so, one. <laughs> Clap underpants. Stage two. Stage three. Perfect. There are no roads until you're <laughs> out of norm. <laughs> you either traverse the land or catch a plane. Fun fact about Alaska, it is illegal to wake a sleeping bear to take a photo. (laughs) Why would you ever wake the bear in the first place? (laughs) To take a photo. Be like, smile, cheese. Then you're dead. That photo is never seen. (laughs) Stage one, wake bear. (laughs) Stage two. Stage three. Death. (laughs) Another fun fact. Most people... Oh, sorry. More people per year are injured by moose than they are black and grizzly bears combined. I'm not surprised. Have you seen the size of a moose? In pictures, yes. Never in person. They are ridiculously big. Like, if you could ride a moose or a bear, which are you picking? And not sexually. Ride to the pub. Hmm... I think the moose would be more comfortable because you'd be basically getting a piggyback off the bear. <laughs> I'm going bear. I think the bear would be more comfortable. You're going to have to hold on though rather than sitting. Who says you don't have a saddle? On a bear? How are you going to put a saddle on a bear? No one said it was a wild bear. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, which would you choose? Bear. Who would, f- who, would, who would fight in a win? <laughs> who would win in a fight between bear and moose? and moose? It depends what they're fighting over. If they're fighting over honey, I'm saying bear, because bear wants the honey. Anything else, I'm going moose, because moose can kick and run. You now win a fight by running. Who do you think? Moose. <laughs> Reasoning? Moose. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the story I'm about to drop in your ear holes was actually made into a Hollywood movie in 2009 known as The Fourth Kind, starring Mila Djokovic. I think I've seen this. Okay, so I'll explain the types of alien close encounters before I go on so that the movie starts to make sense. Close encounters of the first kind are defined as a UFO sighting. The second, actual collected evidence of extraterrestrials. The third kind is direct contact. 
The fourth kind is abduction. The fifth kind is being experimented or probed upon. The sixth kind is if you're killed by aliens. The seventh kind of close encounter is if the aliens impregnate you. That's a pretty close encounter. Why is death before impregnate? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's worse. More painful. I suppose that's then creating aliens on this planet potentially. So it's a more significant event than aliens coming here, killing someone and buggering off. I get what you're saying. I mean, if you have number seven, you could essentially... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think initially there was only the up to the fourth kind, but then they added more onto the scale as they thought of them later on. So what kind are you on? What kind am I on? Yep. How high are up the chart have uh, I got? Yeah. I'm are pregnant. You the seventh? <laughs> <laughs> I got a baby. What's his name? Duff. Hope. <laughs> have you seen the film? Yes. The movie focuses upon a therapist who hypnotizes a bunch of folk and they start getting real freaked out. They float in midair as they talk about what's happened. Hold on. Sorry. To jump right in there. They float in midair after being hypnotised. Yeah, as they're reliving their abduction experiences, they start floating. I really can't remember if I've seen this. <laughs> they speak Aramaic or Sumatran, I believe. It's been a decade since I've actually seen it. It features supposed real footage of the hypnotisms, and if you're ever so slightly ignorant, it could actually be quite convincing. So, in the movie... Dr. Abigail Tyler conducted sleep studies towards the end of the year 2000. Tyler's patients, whilst under, displayed behaviour suggesting that they had come into contact with something not human. But essentially, the movie fucked up the real story. So in the movie is the actual real footage of the... It's not. So it was all a big hoax. They marketed this movie like it was generally real. They crossed the Blair Witch boundary, ah, I see. but they went too hard in and they pissed off Gnome. <laughs> they made out that like loads of missing person cases were all attributed to, to this. Gnome and yeah, that, that weren't necessarily all in Gnome. It was uh, all like okay. So Dicks. and well, they advertised it as real rather than advertising it as like yeah. The Blair Witch left it open whereas they definitively said this is all real this is real god damn it i think the film even starts saying this is real events or something like that <laughs> okay typical hollywood yeah i can't remember who i saw it with but i saw it with a girl and she thought it was real is it because they told her it was real <laughs> quite possibly anywho the first reported disappearance was actually around 1960 the last was 2004 there has been so many that initially people believed a serial killer was on the loose. So it's a good 44 years of... Uh, That's a good innings for a serial killer, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So if you were to start roughly in your 20s, you're still going at 60. That's a career. But then what kind of people were being taken? Because if it's just all kinds of people, if you are a serial killer... You either have a target, like you might target young brown-haired females for example but then it depends on or you might be the sort of killer who strikes upon opportunity yeah i was gonna say or for example if they have something in their head that everyone has to live a certain way they mm -hmm. see this person doing that one little thing 
that goes against it, then that's their target. Yeah. But I then was, I was trying to think of a real-life example, like supposedly the Zodiac Killer would target people who were in the places isolated, wouldn't he? He'd just walk up to people and kill them. So that was perhaps as much opportunity as targeting. Because I was just thinking, if you were to try and attack, for example, a 20 to 30-year-old when you're in your 60s, mm-hmm. how is that coming off for you if you're going against a fit, athletic person because essentially they're disappearing there's no evidence left like there's no blood there's no Mm. body there's nothing they are literally Mm -hmm. gone so how are you accomplishing that if it is a serial killer my thoughts are it's not a serial killer (laughs) so in 2005 (laughs) but it was (laughs) in 2005 the fbi was brought in to investigate because of the fear that a serial killer was indeed at large. Well, that's the official line. Now possibly because the FBI have been involved, it's pretty hard to find firm details on lots of the disappearances, but the FBI determined that the victims were mainly native men travelling from smaller villages. Meanwhile, alcohol and unbearable cold temperatures were involved. There are lots of dry towns around Nome where alcohol isn't sold, Gnome is wet. People go there to get drunk. Now, good sir, could you possibly summarise for me in what ways alcohol can affect you? Well, you can fall off bicycles. (laughs) (laughs) So falling over. You Mm -hmm. can climb ridiculously high pieces of equipment thinking that that's a good idea when you need to pee. (laughs) You can try to jump over things (laughs) and uh, not necessarily make the jump. (laughs) You can walk into things. Mm -hmm. You can be thrown out of clubs for appearing drunk and then being thrown back in. (laughs) That really baffled me. I don't know why they did that to you. (laughs) It was hilarious. Get out, you're far too drunk. What are you doing back out here? (laughs) Chuck you back in. I use my Jedi powers. (laughs) I am not the drunk you are looking for. <laughs> I am can lower inhibitions can mm-hmm. pretty much mess you up. Depending on how much you've drunk and, and if you what your intolerance if is. If you've drunk a fair bit and you fall over, what might happen? <laughs> Knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Die. Or even fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Depends where you fall. Could drown. Mm-hmm. Could fall into a pit of snakes. So the FBI investigated twenty No, sorry. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm ad-libbing. He's got some so, his arm. The FBI investigated, and for 20 of the 24 disappearances, that was their conclusion for nine cases, alongside one snow machine accident, two cases where criminal prosecution was completed, and three in which families asked to be left alone. A further nine bodies were never found. Even to this day? Yep. So we do have some bodies. Um... Are there wild animals that could possibly... Bears? Not only eat... Moose? The flesh, but obviously the bones as well. You know, like a shark and an alligator would pretty much just devour the whole Mm. human. Wouldn't... Is there something out there that would do that? Because I'm assuming a bear would literally just eat the flesh and not the bones. You just made me think of something that I think we should come back to at the end of the episode if I can remember it. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So something that caught my eye there 
is that three families asked the police not to bother and the police left it. Is that not a bit strange? Mm-hmm. Like, I get that people want privacy, and especially at difficult times, but if I was a little twisted and had a rich family member, I'd just take them to Nome, go for a stroll <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> when the police show up, I'll be like, uh, don't worry, mates, we'll just leave this one. What? What axe? The one in my hand? Ah, oh, it's for trees. It's dripping with blood, you say? No, no, that's tree sap. This watch? Oh, it's a Rolex, thank you for noticing. No, I've never been well off, but this tree business is really taken off. I'd booked her funeral two weeks ago before she went missing. What can I say? I'm very forward planning. Good day, sirs. <laughs> that would never happen in England. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the missing persons list are Erin or Ellen Gilbert, who was 24 and has been missing since July 1995. Why Erin or Ellen? Because I read about 12 different reports of these cases and she was referred to by both names in different reports and I couldn't work out which one was the real one and I didn't want to be disrespectful. Do you reckon it's possibly because they were audio and how some names are pronounced? Either that and my other theory was that someone made a typo and then someone used that one to complete their own research and someone used that one to complete their own, so... Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to call her Ellen, but I apologise if that's not the accurate name. Ellen was driving to a fair with a friend when her car broke down. Ellen's friend went to get help. When she returned, Ellen had vanished. No trace was ever found. What do you think happened? Possibly. Were there, like, footprints, signs of a struggle, anything like that? She just wasn't in the car vanished. anymore. Mm-hmm. She was left in the car. Promise not to get out. Was it snowing? It's, yeah, it's always snowing. It's constant perma-snow. But I mean, was it snowing at that time? (laughs) Because there could have been footprints, but then if it was heavy snow, it might have laid over the footprints. I don't think she was gone long enough for that to be the case, but I'll take the point. Because the car had broken down and she'd gone to get help. Where did she go to get help? Chip shop. (laughs) I mean, It didn't say, damn it. They must feel safe for one of them to stay in the car and one to go and get help rather than they both go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And they didn't want someone else to come along and steal the car. Well, if it's broken down, they're not getting anywhere. But then what if someone came and it suddenly started working? Then you take the keys. You take the keys, you lock the car. Someone could have stolen it. I would rather lose (laughs) a car than my life. Could have loaded it onto a lorry. So Michael Palmer was 15. Michael was seen last in June 1999 when he went out on his bike. The bike was found in a river. His muddy shoes in a nearby field. He was too young to drink. Um, did they search in the river? Yep. Yeah. Obviously would have searched. They found the bike in the river? Around. Yeah, but when they say they found the bike in the river, did they find it like... Had it sunk or was it just by the The edge? wheel was poking out. Yeah. <laughs> they searched the river after finding the bike. Okay. Because I'm just thinking, what if someone took him and obviously chucked the bike in the river, chucked his shoes somewhere else to make it harder to... Yeah, and I suppose he's quite young, mm. so that's a possibility. But Richard Hills was 37. He was a man. And he has been missing since February 2004. 
he'd left his girlfriend and three children to pick up his wages from the oil rig he worked upon, but he never arrived. Richard's car was discovered 15 miles from home, the keys still in the ignition, his wallet on the front seat. Richard's footprints led to an isolated spot a mile and a half away where they mysteriously ended. Dogs in search parties repeatedly lost Richard's scent at the same point where his footsteps ended. It was as if he just vanished into the air via a tractor beam. Who leaves their keys and wallet on the front seat of their car? Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that? Nope. And if I did, I certainly wouldn't be walking a mile and a half. He left everything and went for a stroll a mile and a half away. Why the hell would you do that? Why? Tell me why. Are these some kind of land mermaids? <laughs> like what? land sirens. I don't know what Luring people to their death with a siren song. Okay. So you're thinking monsters slash spookies. Because... Spookity spookity. I'm just trying to think what would get him out of the car. If someone was in trouble... Yes, but you would still take the keys out of the ignition, close the car, yep. and yep. lock it before running. But then why would you even run off? So You'd... I thought maybe it was a prostitute, and he was doing a dirty on the wife and the children. Again, all respect to the family. But then why would he leave the wallet there? Yeah. It makes no sense, so I don't think that was the case either. It's possible the wallet... No, because the car door was left open. And then I thought, what if he got to go for a piss? And then he got frozen, basically. Because... Essentially, but then why you would get he up, walk a mile and a half to go for a piss? If you get up, well, <laughs> we've done some stupid things when drunk. Not a mile and a half. Walking. <laughs> there are times you can get out of the car and your wallet will fall out of your pocket. Granted. Mm-hmm. But the door's left open. That's what's puzzling me there. I'm stumped. I'm tree stumped. Mm-hmm. So back to the film briefly, which depicted some disappearances. Occurrences kept happening at 3.33. 3.33 is considered the right kind of time to see a UFO. But UFOologists... <laughs> ufologists. UFOologists. Ufoologists. Yeah. Ufologists were a little picky with the film's depictions. For example, they felt that in the people's memories of being abducted, the owls should have been in the ship rather than at the window, as this is more consistent with real-life memories of experiences. Yes, they saw owls in their memories at first. Lord. <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey, the majestic um, owl. They say they should have been in the ship rather than mm-hmm. at the windows. Yeah. I'm not too fussed about that as a picky point. So, you know, I can see it as a point, because if your memories are completely blacked out as to seeing the creatures surely you'd still remember being in the ship like the creatures are just owls because you can't comprehend what they actually are like or if you're taken somewhere you should be taken somewhere else not in your own room do you know what i mean do you know what i mean but then them being at the windows i'm just looking at as artistic license rather than Mm. like them just trying to mimic exactly what happened there it's a fair point. So you're saying that you feel people should have taken it easy on this film? Uh, for that specific <laughs> point that they are getting picky about, 
Yes. So the fourth kind movie ended up having to pay some damages to Alaska for their somewhat misleading ad campaign prior to the movie's release. They posted loads of fake news articles about the abductions. Like I said, they mm-hmm. basically Blair Witch themselves a little too deeply down the rabbit hole. See, they shouldn't have gone easy on them for that. <laughs> but for something like having the owls outside instead of inside, it's just artistic but license. Yeah, rather than like making trailers, they actually made news articles and pretended they were real, trying to convince people to get them to watch this film. So let's look at what may have actually happened, shall we? Shall we? Watch that film at some point. <laughs> it's not a bad film if you can put all that to one side. I think it takes up to 90 minutes to die outside in Alaskan winter. Never go in there. <laughs> I did a little research into the effects of cold weather and whatnot and the average temperature. So yeah, we're looking at about 90 minutes. You've seen that film, oh, what was it? Franco in it. 127 hours? Can't say I have. Is that what it's actually called? Is it the one where his arm gets trapped in the rock? Yeah, that one. I think it is. It's definitely something hours, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what I wonder is, have they checked people stuck partially under boulders? That's a good point. Are there boulders out there in Alaska? There's got to be. There's I'd... boulders everywhere. Yeah, but to the size of... <laughs> you and, get trapped on And it. remember, this is a wet town... People are drinking. They see a boulder. They're like, I'm climbing that bad boy. Next thing you know, they're falling between it. Possibly. Arm is stuck. They haven't got a pen knife. Are there any caves nearby that they haven't checked? Little dwellings? Good question. Might have been cold. Found like a bear's den. And mm. uh, I'll get some heat in here. Bear. <laughs> so on a serious note, there are still people disappearing in and around Nome to this day people have begun referring to an area in Alaska as the Bermuda Triangle of Alaska or the Alaskan Triangle. The The Alaskan Triangle includes a vast area of unexplored wilderness and icy glaciers. Hundreds of search and rescue missions are conducted yearly and bodies are rarely discovered. In 1972, US House Majority Leader Hale Boggs's airplane disappeared within this Alaskan Triangle. Dozens of boats, 40 military aircraft and 50 civilian planes over 39 days could not find the wreckage. Nothing! To this day, no trace has been found. It was actually this disappearance that led to it becoming mandatory for aircraft to have locator transmitters installed. If these guys saw something up there, they just weren't equipped like the USS Nimitz boys. A massive search party. Mm-hmm. So did they check on the rocks? <laughs> <laughs> did they check the boulders? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so still nothing to this day of that wreckage? Nothing at all. How... So when they check, obviously, in the ocean or whatever surrounding waters, yep. how far down does it go? I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no idea. Just wondering if it's in the area where it just drops all of a sudden. It's just Yeah, it deep. could be, yeah. Because obviously they'll search to a point, and if it's just further yeah. down... I'd need to know more about the equipment and maybe we need to look into that specifically 
rather than including that as part of a gnome case per se. But I've got another little tidbit for you. Mm -hmm. This was also the location of a famous Japanese air flight we are going to cover in an upcoming probe. Mm. Mm -hmm. Have you already started to ride it? Yep. Awesome. I have indeed. <laughs> and going back, in fact, I've finished it. <laughs> going back further, in 1950, a military craft with 44 people on board disappeared. The plane lost contact with ground control and was simply never heard from again. Prior to this occurrence, there were two reported incidents of UFO activity, one a week before the plane's disappearance and one two days after. The military completed the biggest ever search up until that point and not a single piece of evidence was ever found. Is there a record of how many flights go missing there? You could look it up, yeah. I'm not going to. I was just asking if you had. I might have, and I think I pulled out the more interesting ones. Okay. So the UFO reports one week before, mm -hmm. two days after. Mm-hmm. Just thinking, were they scouting the first time? Maybe. Well, to be honest, we've had several crafts go down at this point in the story. Are they there in general? And, like, the pilots getting distracted by them or they're interfering with their equipment. Good point. What if that is literally their pickup point? <laughs> Let's go steal a ship. <laughs> it's yeah. like an intergalactic bus station. Mm. So there was reported incidents of UFO activity. Mm -hmm. Is it just a case of, were the reports just that they saw them or that they were doing something? Generally that they've seen them. Okay. And people are going missing unexplained. People are going Okay. Okay. We've gone from gnomes to dwarves. <laughs> so in 1990, a private plane with five people on board vanished. If we went back only as far as 1988, more than 16,000 people have vanished what? in the area. This isn't just Nome. This is the Alaskan Triangle, mon frere. 16,000? Yep. Ooh. That's what goes down in the Alaskan <laughs> Triangle stays in the Alaskan Triangle, yo. Or does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it goes up, <laughs> what goes up in the Alaskan Triangle <laughs> stays up. Stays up. up. <laughs> the truth is up there. Hashtag probe. Sixteen thousand people. Mm-hmm. Are people still disappearing to this day? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Why would people go there? Because it's wet. <laughs> I suppose some people search. Yeah. And some they've people. heard of it and they're like, oh, I wonder if it happens to me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> they go and uh, now they're yeah. in some parallel universe <laughs> or another dimension somewhere. Yeah, all that story, though the stories <laughs> are bullshit, I don't believe in that. <laughs> well, they're up there. <laughs> so between 500 and 2,000 people go missing in Alaska every year. But why so many? Alaska has approximately 57 million acres of designated Ooh. protected wilderness and even more not officially designated. That's a lot of space for mysterious shit untouched by human hands. So we have this combined with some of the world's shittiest weather. Crappy terrain, evil wild animals out for blood, and about those mooses. 
<laughs> and about 100 active volcanoes. Can you remember Earthworm Jim? Yes, I can. This place is basically like heck. <laughs> Evil the cat is taking these bastard planes down. Not groovy. Not groovy. Thinking of the fact that there's 57 million acres. Mm-hmm. And then obviously more that's not designated. Yep. Could we have cannibals? Possibly. <laughs> it's like I'm asking, can we have cannibals? <laughs> because they would take the... Ho- but then, accounting for the loss of people, yes. The fact that ships and planes have disappeared and never been found, mm-hmm. that I'm unsure of. Like, they can take the people. They wouldn't be able to hide a plane. Hmm. Back to Earthworm Jim. <laughs> Earthworm Jim. Who would you say is the best character in Earthworm Jim? Excluding Jim, because Jim rocks, I would... Oh, was it Booger or Bogey? Snot. He used to throw snot mm. and hook onto things. Oh, Booger. What was... No, I think it was Snot, wasn't it? What was his little um, psychic puppy used to turn into? Yeah, the... that was awesome. Can't remember his name. I liked Psycho, weirdly. Psycho! Hmm. And Princess Malformed, la di da da slug for a butt. What a cartoon that was. What a game that was. Mm-hmm. Had that on the Mega Drive. Yeah, one and two. I, I feel like one. there's a really good character that I'm forgetting. What I would like you to do, though, is just to continue. <laughs> and then as soon as it pops into your head, just shout it out <laughs> But yeah, um, just knocking on to that 57 million acres, etc. There's basically a hazard for every form of transport. So you've got the shitty weather for the planes. Mm-hmm. You've got active volcanoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the plane goes down in a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets blown out as ash. Mm-hmm. Arg. It was snot. <laughs> that was going to bother me. <laughs> what about the name of the dog? Peter. Peter uh, Puppy. Peter Puppy's the best. Bob the Goldfish. <laughs> That's who I was trying to think of. Although I thought of another one as well in seeing that. Who do you think the best character was again? Peter the Puppy. Mm-mm. Professor Monkey for a head. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyhow, so if you walk, there's a chance you'll freeze, get burned, fall, or get eaten by a bear. Burr. Oh, it, it can actually get real warm in the summer, which creates unstable air. Hello, death-bringing thunderstorms. <laughs> if you sail, that weather really is going to get you, in addition to the water freezing over. If you fly, there's a chance you'll run into shitty weather and crash, or be taken by aliens. On the plus side... It's one of the most beautiful places on the planet, which would explain the alien tourism. Thoughts? What if I want to set, not like a force field, but you have to earn your right to get there? <laughs> like, you try to fly, all this stuff happens, throws you off course, and you have to like figure out how to get back there. <laughs> like, it's a challenge to get there. When you get there, you win the game. Except for the 16,000... And you graduate to a higher plane. (laughs) The 16,000 people that are actually messing. 
maybe they are on the next level mm. with the aliens. Okay, so I've skirted around a little bit here with all sorts of different things, but here's a slightly more concrete account for you. On the 22nd to 23rd of January, 1950, several people were witness to an incident. An incident! First, an unidentified object came into contact on radar 20 miles north of an air station, Kodiak. <laughs> I was going to say eight there. <laughs> Kodiak eight. Kodiak eight. Kodiak. Eight minutes later, radar contact was made with an object 10 miles southeast of the air station. Control confirmed that there was no air traffic in the area. Radar interference began of a type never experienced before. At the same time, the USS Tilbrook was anchored in a nearby ship channel. On board the ship were sea men. <laughs> I know you love it when our probes lead to seamen. <laughs> sea man Morgan. He was a captain. <laughs> He's the best type. Seaman <laughs> Morgan observed a very fast-moving red light at approximately the same time moving around the air station Kodiak. Morgan alerted a shipmate, Carver, and together the two seamen <laughs> saw a ball. <laughs> seamen saw Captain a ball. Morgan's, or was it Carver's? Captain Morgan and his seamen saw a ball. A Kodiak security patrolman also made visual on the flying object in the sky himself and after advising the rest of the crew all watched on in amazement on radar the trailing edge of the blip gave a tail-like indication but then the object turned in an aggressive maneuver as if it were going to attack the patrolman smith smith turned out all lights in his aircraft and after a few minutes the craft disappeared smart bastard mm -hmm. another two patrolmen saw the craft the next day there are official reports on all of this. No weather balloons were released in the area around the time of these sightings. The official report determined that it was either a meteor shower or unidentified flying objects. Meteorites did not stay in view so long and turned towards aircraft in aggressive ways. Although something like that could have a tail. So we have radar visual contact by several witnesses. Yep. And it's all like officially reported. Mm -hmm. Some type of experimental aircraft? Possibly. I mean, it's either got to be that or aliens, really, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been... We've noted that when planes are flying, they could be knocked off course by... Aliens, yeah. Storms and stuff like that. Storms and aliens, yeah. Maybe there was a malfunction of the equipment, so it forced... The plane to turn quite sharply, and then they thought it's actually going to attack, and then it. The experimental the plane. No, I'm just saying. Reverse engineered by alien technology. The normal plane, blown off course. Not necessarily blown, but maybe a malfunction, which turned the plane. They managed to get it back under control, and then it was spotted somewhere else. Just remember, maybe all this they, is official. Or maybe they thought they saw something, so quickly decided to dodge it but then the radars aren't you've got visual and radar mm -hmm. object and the only way that left them alone is when he turned all the lights off and whatnot so whatever it was could have been coming out and then lost their signal what if it was a giant moth <laughs> <laughs> moth man 
Mm-hmm. It was Mothman. He was heading for the light. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm still. All right. Still on the. Before we wrap up, because you're fully in, one more thing. Mount Hayes has been reported to have the world's largest alien base within it. This was <laughs> this was within a book blowing up about US intelligence. However, what makes this interesting is the fact that the US military did take Alaskan UFO activity seriously. There are several now declassified files from about 1947 to 1950 outlining objects flying through the air ridiculously quickly. This object was not said to be disc-like, but instead is more spherical. Not too dissimilar to a tic-tac from a certain angle, one might say. A second sighting saw a craft resembling a flying wing without any engine or fuselage as it came towards the airport. This was reported directly to J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI. This object was travelling in the direction of Nome. And we're back full circle. Nome! Okay, I I don't know why this came into my head, but this came into my head. So, the equipment that we have now, mm-hmm. like planes and yep. stuff like that, is still based on older tech. Yeah, the planes we use today, um, a lot of them, well, fighter jets actually were created in 1977, I think, 79. Mm. And they're still in service today in the Air Force, yeah. What if, say, two, three hundred years from now, <laughs> right? we've created aircraft mm-hmm. that have the ability to go so fast that you can time travel? What if the ships that are being seen, like the UFOs that are being seen, Mm-hmm. A joyriding teenagers coming back <laughs> just to fuck with us. I really like that thought, <laughs> but I think if we were doing that, we'd be traveling forward rather than back in time. Yeah, but maybe they just don't have the license. Maybe these are like little rich twats and they don't have the license to go forward. So they're just going backwards. <laughs> Surely that would be more what dangerous. What if it's like a history trip? <laughs> They've, they've come a wall. They're on coming a back trip. to learn from their mis- from humanity's mistakes. Interesting. <laughs> I really have no idea why that came into my head, but it did. So, alien base. Mm-hmm. Is it, for example, a US base that works on aliens, or is it? From what a I base could make out, it was an actual alien base. To yeah. aliens. Huh. Which would explain why there's so much activity and sightings up there. But I'm also surprised that they haven't tried to blow it up yet. Mm. I mean, that's a very human thing to do. Maybe we're working in partnership with them. Possible. Maybe they're far more advanced than us and it'd be like punching a bigger kid. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so to summarise, we've had nine unsolved disappearances in Gnome originally, but then we've swung into several flights going down. UFO sightings by multiple witnesses and a truthfully rumoured UFO base in Alaskan Mount Hayes. What are your thoughts at this time? So, 16,000 missing people. Yep. Got a bullshit Hollywood film. A quality bullshit film, yep. Which has angered the people. The people raged. Downed flights. 
Mm-hmm. So if this was to be aliens, so this was I'm aliens, yeah. Assuming that, well, not all sixteen thousand would have been missing. Like obviously, people, some of these are going to be in the wilderness and dead and drowned and all. Some, you'd imagine. But being experimented on in the alien base, the technology being downed and taken to be worked on and improved, spare parts, sightings would be them trying out new tech, flying around, just checking the perimeter. The one that was, that appeared on radar, possibly a new ship, a ship we've been sighted. Quick, let's take them out. They're gone. And all of this being reported to the FBI. Well, not all of what I said, but... Yeah, directly to Edgar Hoover. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am actually on the fence. It's a tough one. I could stay on the fence. Well, you can't. But it would (laughs) end up piercing my nutsack. Nobody wants pierced balls. I'm going to jump down. Boom. On the side, Ooh. and actually say that this is not aliens. <laughs> you prick. Um, I think people have just gone missing, like in the terrain, stuff like that. There's 57 million acres. That's a lot. It's a lot of, of land. land. Um, how big is that compared to a country? It's a country. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, if you were to say right. That 57 million is the size of, bang, is it the size of what, Texas, the size of the UK, I don't know, because a lot of people, you're now about to look that up, aren't you? Well, I don't know how many acres the UK actually is, Because 60 like, million acres. So it's pretty much the size of the UK, 16,000 people. It's not going to be easy to find 16,000 people in that area. I can't say it was aliens. I think... But it was! I think people have gone missing. It's a lot of ground to cover. Ships or planes and stuff could have crashed, torn apart and been hidden in debris. Bears have carried people off. Cannibals have... Piggybacks. Mutilated people, unfortunately. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not not saying it was aliens. I'm saying it was predominantly cold, shitty weather. Mm -hmm. It's no surprise that you get a culmination of deaths and disappearances and crashed aircrafts in an area with such shitty weather. Even the radar blips could just be a malfunction with the equipment. To be fair, if you were going to test advanced equipment, wouldn't you want to test it in bad conditions? Maybe that's like a military base. Mm. I mean, testing it in good conditions isn't going to help you. Well, you should do that first, don't you? You know it's going to... You don't know it's going to work, but you just assume it works. You want to take it into the worst conditions possible and see if it holds up. Mm. So we're in agreement once again. We're not saying that it was aliens. indeed. So, I've swung this probe around like a bit of a helicopter. At first, it was looking like it wasn't aliens. Then, we took a hard left into some pretty convincing evidence. It's been a tough one. He was splinted for a little while, wasn't he? 
Maybe a later date we could go back and probe some of these topics a little deeper. We've mentioned a couple of missing airplanes, for example, one of which we already are going to cover. One of which we could potentially, if there's more evidence out there. But if you'd like to see us do that, drop us an email at butitwasaliens at gmail.com and let us know. What if that 70, 50, 75, 57 million, the 57 million acre land is like Skull Island. Kong is out there or a moose like Kong. Did I mention that another theory on the missing people is aggressive Bigfoot? Big feet? What's their plural? Big thigh? And another theory. Plenty feet. Another theory centers around a shape shifting demon called Kushtaka. Ooh. A cross between a man and an otter who steals people's souls. This bitch appears to people as a vulnerable child to lure victims to its river, where I assume it places them on its belly and smashes them. Kushtaka. Is that what happened to that kid whose bike was. Yes. In the it river? was Kushtaka. Side probe. Side probe. <laughs> so I've actually got a list of side probes going on, and Kush Tucker is number one on that list. <laughs> right. Well, that wraps us up for tonight. I've been your host for the day, Kevin the Grey. He still is Gravel Moonwalker. Damn right. If you'd like to catch us on the socials, give us a little probe. We are on Instagram at But It Was Aliens Podcast. We're on the Twitter at But It Was Aliens. And you can find us on Facebook at But It Was Aliens 2 and join us at Extraterrestrial Towers, where we talk bullshit. Thank you for listening to But It Was Aliens, and we shall be heard by you next week. And remember, if in doubt, the truth is up there. Hashtag probe. Hashtag probe. Probe. Shut in your dick. Ah. <laughs> You might want to pull your pop filter back a bit, son. That probably (laughs) knocked it in.